There's a place called a gin mill way down in the slums. There's a place called a gin mill way down in the slums. My baby goes that night and stays till the morning comes. Oh, she drinks gin and whiskey and she drinks Dago Red. Oh, she drinks gin and whiskey. Lord, she drinks Dago Red. Then comes home to me, talking all out of her head. All right, how's everybody doing? Awesome, we're on the road today. We are road tripping, blind pig road trip. So you heard Brendan, it's me and Brendan, and we got one of the honorary pigs with us this time. We got Mr. Patrick Hall. Hello, everybody. Welcome, Pat. And uh, we we are sitting in the town of Cotton Town. Tennessee, in the yes. town of Cottontown, sounded weird. We're sitting in the town of Cottontown, Tennessee, <laughs> at the uh, Briar Scratch Brewery. Indeed. And we are with the proprietor of that, one Mr. Brad Singleton. That's me. Good How are you doing today? I'm good, man. Couldn't thank, be better. Thanks for having us. We appreciate it. Yeah, so, thank you guys for coming all the way out here. We couldn't be any closer to the brewing process, literally, no, no. than we are now. <laughs> no. We were pretty, pretty close to Denny Boys, but not quite this close. No. Right. We are, we're literally sitting... Within the realm of everything brewing around us, we're like in the center of it all. Brent, Brendan, yeah, Brendan has a steaming tub next to his head, <laughs> pretty much. It's he almost does. aimed at him. <laughs> so, do you want to you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and the uh, and the brewery? Uh, yeah, it's uh, yeah, where do I start? Uh, the brewery's been open for just over a year now. Um, we had, uh, you know, I was telling you guys when you first got here, uh, for us to have a brewery here on our family farm uh, wasn't an easy task. We had to. Uh, convince our county commission and the local planning committees that uh, that our zoning wasn't necessarily just for cattle farms and forestry and chickens and tobacco uh, <laughs> that we we should be able to do other types of small businesses handcrafted things not just because of beer which i think the word beer is what triggered a lot of alarms mm-hmm. with these guys and you know us being in the good old tennessee bible belt they um <laughs> there, was, there was some naysayers but um you know, I convinced them that this was just like any other small workshop. I'm making a handcrafted product. I'm selling it locally, super locally at that, because um, in Tennessee, a brewery can self-distribute their beers without going through a wholesaler. So I can literally, as long as I sell to retailers in my county here, I can throw them in the back of my pickup truck and Drive deliver them, yeah, hands-on yeah. from the brewer to the uh, to the tap. So. Uh, so actually, it took a little while. It took about nine months, and this was back in 2014 when I actually got brave enough to go in front of all these um, commissioners and heads of departments and all this to figure out what it was going to take. But we finally convinced the right people, shook the right hands, kissed the right babies, and here we are um, brewing two and a half barrels per batch. Sometimes we squeeze a little more out, about two and three quarter barrels per batch. Yep. Brewing our flagship beer today, our uh, American Blonde Ale. It's called Creek Bank Blonde. Named uh, aptly after our brewery being located right here on a creek bank. Yeah, nice. Perfect. So when you're uh, when you're coming into the brewery itself, it's if you don't know the area, it is a little difficult to find. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> we were warned the GPS would take us way out in the country, so we're glad we followed his directions instead of GPS. Yeah, we absolutely. we still wouldn't be here. Google so. <laughs> Google thinks this place is in the middle of a cornfield. Mm-hmm. Apparently, it does. It does. They actually just uh, you might have noticed the fresh blacktop on our roads. We did see that. Recently paved our roads and widened them, which made it a little more accessible nice. than ever before. <laughs> so was it, it was gravel before, wasn't it? It was. Yeah. Yeah. Sure was. Because we uh, said that driving in, we said, "I bet the last road we turn on is going to be gravel." Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yep. Where the blacktop ends, that's where Briar Scratch begins. <laughs> Um, but so, yeah, I, I'd like to tell you kind of the why we call it Briar Scratch. That's absolutely. Great. Um, so. 
originally when I came up with this idea, it was just like 98% of other brewers. They get a homebrew kit and have a few boilovers on their kitchen stove and uh, read a book, and then they decide they want to open a brewery. More so for me, I was in college at the University of Tennessee in Knoxville, and I had some friends, and we were trying different craft beers. You know, we, we were all 21, 22, 23 years old, and there was a shop two blocks down the road from our house that, where you could mix your own six-packs. And oh. uh, so it became a weekend ritual where three of us would go, and we'd each get a different six-pack and come back with 18 different beers and have ourselves a little tasting and <laughs> invite friends over and why does this beer taste like chocolate? Why does this beer taste like mangoes? What is this even beer? Like, why is everybody still drinking Natty Light? And uh, yeah, but you know, it's college. Yes, whatever. Milwaukee's Cheap. best. Cheap. Yeah. Uh, not to name drop any big brands or anything, but um, it was actually my distaste for domestic beer and my newfound taste for craft beer and the fact that we started a bottle collection in our kitchen, and now the mission was to get every new bottle of beer we could get for our collection, and that led me into an obsession of craft beer. And then I was sitting around on the couch one day, and we were talking about, oh, what's, what's a brewer's job got to be like? Like, what are those? Well, they, got, they make beer all day, and then they, have, of course, they have to taste it at the end of the day and then invite their friends over to make sure their friends approve. Sounds probably, awful. yeah, it's yeah, probably it's pretty cool terrible. to be a brewer. And then you got to do it all over again because <laughs> yeah. you ran out of beer. Yeah, and I, and I knew kind of this was in 2008, early 2009. I, I knew I was going to be moving back home um, and, and starting a new job and, and, you know, moving on from college. And But I could not shake this idea of having this little backyard brewery somewhere out here on the farm and and i knew i started kind of um educating myself on tennessee beer laws and whatnot and we had this idea we 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 didn't think we'd able to actually be able to do it back here as far back as we are we're going to try to find a spot on the highway somewhere zone commercial have a tap room um and originally i want to call it back road brewery Mm -hmm. well turns out there is a back road brewery in your state of indiana uh, (laughs) laporte and i've been there it's a pretty cool place um talked about back road brewery for like three weeks and then thought it was probably a Good idea that we Google that, and um, <laughs> sure enough, it existed. So, my dad's always called these woods Briar Scratch Hollow. He's, he's owned he has forty acres just beyond this property here, and uh, Briar Scratch Hollow is uh, is always kind of a joke, you know, an ongoing thing. And that's when we started talking about making Briar Scratch beer because we have just five hundred yards from here, we have a natural spring that pumps out fresh, nice. clear, nice. delicious, yeah. clean drinking water twenty four seven. Wow! And so that's when the wheels started turning on having this small farmhouse brewery that makes beer with our own sustainable water source and using local ingredients and doing any sort of community involvement activities we could do and just being a really hometown thing. And, and you know, I figured you couldn't get more hometown than that. So I started uh, building a home brewery in 2011 in my dad's old tobacco barn and uh, made it the total man cave, a little indoor <laughs> indoor 10-gallon brewery with a projector screen and surround sound and a six-tap kegerator and, I mean, just a place to hang out and drink beer and talk about beer. And so that's where the whole brand of Briar Scratch was born. Was And my house is literally just a stone's throw away from here, just right up the road. So it all started there. And, that's impressive. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Started making more homebrew than we could consume personally, so I started giving it away at beer tastings and local events and kind of building the brand and making T-shirts and stickers and telling everybody that I'm going to do this. You know, we don't know how or when, but it's going to happen. It's going to happen. And finally, I got brave enough in 2013 to start digging into local legislation and all that. 
You actually got some legislation changed, I think you said, right? To, yeah, to, we, to uh, allow this kind of stuff. Yeah, our local planning commission was able to add an amendment to agricultural zoning provisions <laughs> to allow a brewery or winery to operate in Sumner County on agricultural zone property as long as they kept their building under 2,500 square foot. That was their big argument. What's going to keep these guys from being Anheuser-Busch out, on a, out in right. a field somewhere? Yeah. And big trucks and machinery yeah. and things coming and going all the time. And a lot of neighbors. We're, we're at a dead-end road, so we have yeah. neighbors. They're, yep. they're affected by all that. Anybody that comes in is coming right back out the same way. Had to keep the building under 2,500 square foot. No product sold on premise. No signage at the road. No public business hours. Hmm. That was what, uh, that's what we're working with right now. Awesome. But it, it worked. <laughs> yeah, no <laughs> doubt. In and, you know, yeah. Yeah. yeah and we've, uh, we've sold our first year. We sold 105 barrels of beer. Oh. And... Kind of project to double that next year. Nice. Awesome. So you have a uh, you have a tap room relatively close then. Yeah, we do. That's it's it's relatively new as well. It's only been open about seven weeks now. I think we're on our eighth week in business. And uh, so again, you know, um, back in about September or October of last year, I couldn't shake the idea that Gallatin doesn't have a place that has that is a craft beer destination. And I've I've done a lot of traveling, and uh, you know, I guess we can get into the the other job here in a minute but with that i do a lot of traveling every six months and um i've been to all these towns even small towns big cities whatever and there's all these just very craft beer centric things and so many great like local artisan food venues and Mm -hmm. things that are just pairing well with the entire culture of local and small business and uh, these local hands-on artisan guys that are making really cool stuff and you know gallatin's starting to trend that way um it's a fairly large town there's probably about a population of 40,000 people. Mm-hmm. And then the yeah. neighboring town, Hendersonville, is even bigger than that. So that makes our county fairly populated. Yeah. Um, you know, being right next to Nashville, too, we get a lot of draw from that. But just could not shake the idea that we didn't have a craft beer bar. <laughs> uh, there's a couple of places that have some decent selections on tap, but That's not a destination. And right. uh, so right. with us not being able to have a tap room here, my dad and I have already always talked about having this kind of country rustic tap room just down the road somewhere. Or that would be the hub for Briar Scratch Beer. Actually found this place for rent right off our town square, right in the middle of where everything's happening and this whole resurgence of small businesses taking place. And um, it was already restaurant ready, so I knew I needed somebody to team up with food. And so I got with a friend of mine who owns a place called Swaney Swift's on the square. And it's kind of like a, a Swaney Swift's was the name of this old drugstore that used to be in that building. So they kept the old signage and the old namesake, and, uh, and they started this kind of craft beer and burger joint. But it's more of a family place with milkshakes and sure. burgers and fries, feel-good food. And uh, they've seen a lot of success in the first year. And he had an idea of a little pizza place down the road. He'd already looked at the building. So uh, the planets aligned. The place was perfect. It was ready to go. We got the key on November 1st. Shook hands, no paperwork. We didn't sign any contracts. We're just going <laughs> off each other's word. Nice. Um, wow. I was like, if you want to do this 50-50, you do the pizza side. I'll do the beer side. We'll combine we'll efforts and everything. And <laughs> we opened the doors on January 8th nice. to Prince Street Pizza and Pub. And it's a um, craft beer tavern type place uh, with um, really interesting um, custom pizzas. Yeah. And of course, you can build your own, but think like Mellow Mushroom. But, yeah, but on a small town level. Right? Yeah, I've been a few of those. Yeah, so a lot of success there. I mean, it's been it's been the talk of the town. Wow. It's, the, it's a hot new place. Everybody's going to check out 
Everybody's nice. talking about, you know, giving us five-star ratings on Facebook and <laughs> how great our pizzas are. We did uh, one of our biggest sellers is the Nashville Hot Chicken Pizza. And with you guys going to Nashville soon, you'll be have to you have to be sure to check out the uh, the hot chicken culture. I don't know if you yeah. know about this or not. Oh, yeah. I haven't okay. seen some of that around. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So so we're doing that on a pizza and uh, pairing it with craft beer. And another thing unique about that bar is it's all Tennessee craft breweries on tap. Nice. So not only will you find two or three or four or even five Briar Scratch beers on tap, but all of the other beers uh, are going to be brewed in Tennessee. Well, tell us a little bit about Briar Scratch beer. Actually, what we're drinking? Well, what I drank because it was it was pretty good. Yeah, it's like yeah. So I already drank mine. But what are we drinking? <laughs> we'll have to pause for a refill here in just a minute. <laughs> Sorry, it was good. So what we started off with is our one year beer, and just couldn't have come up with a better name than that. We brewed it as an anniversary ale. I'm going to name drop my buddy's company in Nashville real quick. It's called Bootleg Biology, and he. His main product is what's called a backyard yeast wrangling kit for homebrewers. And he sells all the little doodads that one would need to take samples from flowers or fruits or just set a Petri dish out in their backyard and actually capture wild yeast from the air and propagate it to brew their own homebrew with their own backyard yeast strain. Wow. That's really I've never yeah. seen that. I've never that's heard a, of that one. That's awesome. yeah. yeah. So that's that's kind of a new thing that's happening in brewing now is the whole grain to glass where brewers are not only uh, sourcing barley and hops as locally as possible, but um, coming up with their own wild yeast strains and, and, and it's just like an endless possibility of flavors and, right. and oh, yeah. aromas yeah. and so we actually um, so Jeff came out with his with his tools and uh, we went around and found interesting flowers and fruits and um, swab surfaces. And uh, I said, well, I mean, if we're doing all this, we've got to at least swab a briar. And we've got little thickets of briars all around the place. So we actually took a little green baby briar and dropped it in his little sugar water test tube solution. And um, a couple weeks later, he found out of the seven samples we took, we had five viable yeast strains. Wow. So we brewed five gallons of beer. We split it it five ways into one-gallon batches and pitched each yeast strain. And then three to four weeks later, we had a little sensory analysis, took notes on aroma and flavor and clarity, flocculation, and, you know, everything you look for in a a new beer. And they were all five great and all five completely different. We took one basic golden ale with just very neutral hops and a very neutral uh, grain bill and um, let the yeast shine on those. And and we found... uh, we found all these different flavors and aromatics from each of these strains, but I was a little partial to the Briar yeast. Of course. <laughs> and uh, so now Briar Scratch Brewery has their own Briar yeast, and, and it's probably whatever's come from the blackberry flowers that, that grow around right. the Briars mm-hmm. and, and just happen to land on the surface of this Briar. But whatever it is, it's pretty delicious. It's very, um, very clove. Yeah. Forward yeah. with uh, yeah. with some citrus notes. Uh, it's a little grassy, a little earthy. It's kind of all those things you want in a farmhouse ale. And so for this beer, we, we used that yeast strain. We used um, a couple different hop, hop varieties. We used some Cascade, some Sriracha Ace, and uh, Magnum for bittering. And uh, steeped some whole clove and Jamaican allspice at the end of the boil for a little extra spicy kick. Yeah, and it's delicious. Yeah, it's great. You know, a lot of times with the golden ale, you, get a, you usually get one or two flavors, and that's Usually, to me, I like get out of a, mm-hmm. a, you know a, a golden nail like that. But this is really complex. A lot of good flavors in there. It that was awesome. it was lighter, but it was so full of flavor you yeah. didn't yeah. you didn't very, very good. really realize how light it was. Mm-hmm. And there's also like a bubblegum note coming through. If, if you ever remember bu- uh, the bubble tape, you know mm-hmm. the old the old pink <laughs> canister, and it's like that that distinct bubblegum flavor. That's what I get from this beer, also. Interesting. 
Yeah. It's delicious, definitely. Do you, do you guys see a lot of the others? You know, some of the ones you've done before. I haven't heard a lot of you know him developing his own yeast from things around. A lot of I've seen a lot of them. They're it just using. Far they're the getting most some that I've heard. Of, you yeah. know, going that far in, in detail and getting their own strain, new, their new own, strain of yeah. yeast. A lot of brewers keep their yeast. It seems to be the one thing they don't want to talk to us about. They'll say we have our own strain of yeast. It, that's it. That's all we get. We don't get a lot of in-depth like like he went, which is awesome. It's not like I'm going to go home and find a bunch of briar around my house <laughs> and duplicate right. what you're doing. Yeah. And even if I did, it would be Indiana with different flowers yeah, and different stuff which around is, it, yeah. which would change the pl- yeah. the flavor profile completely. Your whole completely. environment's going to change wherever you're at. So yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I was beautiful. just curious if some of them were, you know, you know, they're not talking about it, but are they just going out and buying, you know, a, a yeast strain from, they you know, all, the brew kit, and that's what they've been using since right. they started doing it in the garage, and typically, then they got a little bigger. Yeah, typically, yeah. yes, there's yeah. all these commercial strains but you know you got to yeah. think if uh, for somebody that's brewing a german hefeweizen they're getting that weinstefan yeast strain right that's just a wild yeast that these guys used centuries ago and so they've just been now right. it's in a lab and they can perfectly propagate right. that over and over again but you've taken it on your own to do that instead yeah. rather than going out and buying something that's been in use at multiple places Which is brilliant. For, I mean, that way well, you, yeah. you have control and nobody else is going to be able to you know to, duplicate to duplicate what you yeah. have unless they came to your property and stole your briar and then <laughs> that's the only way they're going to be able to duplicate your yeast strain though exactly exactly and that's that's how the whole history of farmhouse sales came about in the back in the uh, old belgian uh Farms mm-hmm. in, in centuries ago, the, the, as the story is told, uh, that in the summertime, the water would, in, in lots of places on farms, would become stagnant and laden with bacteria. And these farmers that had dozens of farmhands managing thousands of acres, they had to keep these guys nourished. So in the winter, the farmers would brew their ales, and they'd brew big vats of beer and store it in barrels. And the word saison means um, season. And so they would brew them in the winter to drink all through the summer. They'd typically be low-alcohol beers, fermented with whatever was wild in the air, and create these nourishing, thirst-quenching beers for their farmhands. And that's... He's so got the, some. He's got some knowledge. Yeah, I'm, but I can drop <laughs> some beer. Where knowledge. did you? Where did you? Go, what, what was your? What was your college degree? Uh, actually, I, I studied. I studied mechanical Goodness. engineering. But, oh. um, but for some man. reason, all the stuff about beer just absorbs like a sponge. I don't That's know. That's awesome, man. You're dropping yeah, some knowledge. I know. I'm just sitting here all quiet. I'm like perplexed. I'm like, wow, this <laughs> well, is amazing. This is the second time today we've heard the farmhouse story, which was, of course, we stopped at Jim Beam. Oh yeah. And, uh, we had to have some bourbon while we were. Down, coming down south, and uh, it was funny. They told the same story because obviously they're saying they're still the same yeast strain, and right? Yeah, they were talking about that. It. But so, and then she told the farmhouse beer story as well. It's kind of funny. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's a big awesome. deal now. A lot of brewers yeah. are, are going, especially with uh, the whole barrel aging thing that's happening now. And yeah, um, that's like a whole new age of beer making. Um, not that it's something new; it's just something that more brewers are are taking on and and, and throwing more creativity in than ever before. It's still not my fit. The barrel one's still, I've, they're very hit and miss for me. You know, they have a lot of trouble with some of those because they're either aged too long in there and it just ruins it. I think it's a, Or it's you a, can't taste it at all line. and it's just a kitch. Mm-hmm. It's a fine know? line to what barrel are you using, mm-hmm. how long are you keeping in the barrel, <clears throat> you know, what style of beer. Things. Yeah, yeah exactly. Brennan was saying what style of, you know, you got to pick the right the one. So right. hold up for a longer period of time. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Now, have you played around with that? Uh, I have. I actually have a uh, bourbon barrel-aged beer in the cooler uh, that we uh, released. Uh, we kind of did that um, exclusively for a local uh, liquor store in Gallatin. Hmm. Uh, they bought into a single barrel of Eagle Rare bourbon. When you, when a, a store buys a single barrel and they get all the bottles from that barrel, 
the distillers also give him the barrel. So yeah. he passed the barrel on to me and said, let's, let's do a cool barrel-aged beer. Nice. And so we brewed a – I just threw together a recipe with some things I had on hand. I had some rye. I had some local honey. So we brewed a porter with those two ingredients. Um, came out really nice, uh, kind of effervescent, really roasty, uh, a little mm-hmm. sweet on the end. Sold a few kegs in the market while, all the while that 52 gallons were aging in an oak barrel in our fermentation room back here. Just kegged that up last week, released it at our um, one-year anniversary party, which is called Tap the Town. So when we released in February of 2014, we had our Tap the Town, which with our four first accounts, and so we had Tap the Town 2 last weekend. <laughs> About 500 people came out. Uh, nice. Yeah, nice. there was a line out the door in the restaurant for beer, and it was like, cool. it's a local pub crawl where we bounce from throughout four different locations, and each place has a live band and beer specials and Wow, yeah. a year in, he's already got festivals, and <laughs> he's got an annual festival. <laughs> yeah. Impressive. It's very impressive, actually. I mean, the whole setup is impressive from beginning to end here. And did, did the, you did you build it? Is this built for? I apologize, George. No, you're good. Uh, it, no, the actual structure of the building was already built. Okay. Uh, a guy. So this was one big family farm at one time, and um, and it, it had gotten bought up and, and divided into tracks, auctioned off. A guy had bought this building or bought this location, built the bridge over the creek and the driveway, and started building this giant unnecessary workshop that he was just going to store all his stuff in. He was going to put an apartment upstairs and eventually build a house. But I think things went awry and he ended up losing some money and had to put it up for sale. Okay. So it was just a structure. There's no electrical, no plumbing, okay. uh, just garage doors and a, a roof over it. And um, I, I'd bought the place in 2011 right after I moved home from college with not with intentions of it being the brewery, but just because it's, it's adjoins some property that my dad already has back here. Mm-hmm. And it was just a, too good of a deal to pass Just, up. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, had a new job secured, had some income. Wanted to take out my first big loan and do the adult <laughs> thing and invest in something. You know, instead of you know piss it all away, I decided sure. to invest in nine acres in a building. So that's nice. Yeah, and awesome. here we, and then as the whole Techn- idea evolved, technically we're still kind of pissing it all away <laughs> at some point. Yeah, but but, but somewhat responsibly. Somewhat responsible. Drinking the beer, yeah. It's all going the same place. <laughs> <laughs> you just get good use out of it. Hi, this is Mel from Alley's Ale House. Come check us out for the best local and craft beer selection in Hamilton County and the most amazing craft food on the north side. We've always got something going on, whether it be poker, euchre, live music, or DJ bingo. You can check us out on Facebook or on our website, bulletpinheads.com. Sounds like you're getting a lot of community support as well. Cause that's all coming back to you. Uh, we have a, a zero dollar marketing budget. Um, every, <laughs> everything I do is word of mouth, Facebook. I mean, you know, I might get a flyer made for like Tap the Town. We got flyers right. and, and bu- mugs made, but we sold the mugs at the event and T-shirts and whatnot. But um, as far as advertising, it's I only sell to locally owned establishments. We've got 15 accounts, um, all within a 16 or 17 mile radius from here. Nice and. Um, and it's just, you know, you're getting 98% of the people are local community residents. And mm-hmm. so, I mean, just word spreads. And with all the stuff on Facebook now, and there's all these groups for each town uh, talking yep. about all the hip yeah. stuff that's happening. They get to, t- you know, one person says something about the beer. It reaches a couple thousand people. It's, oh, yeah. It's great. Yep. It's really great. And I'm not really pushing to get outside of this market because I'm, I'm almost tapped out as it is. I'm just <laughs> brewing as much as I can to keep up. And then on top of that, as I mentioned before, I've got this other job where I do an environmental training class. We do that in 26 different cities every six months. And so Jeez. March, April, and part of May, September, October, and a little of November, 
I'm on the road with my dad two and three weeks at a time, so I have to brew around that schedule. I have to get all these fermenters full, and you know, fermentation takes 18 to 20 days. Mm-hmm. So, so it kind of works out where I brew a batch, I leave town, I come back, beer's ready to keg. So, um, <laughs> but I've got some guys working with me. Uh, one of my best friends who just lives almost right next door here um, is kind of assistant in all the operations. My girlfriend's really hands-on with all the uh, events and things we do, and you know, running the bar and helping me keep things clean and orderly. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> everybody kind of has their position. And my dad, of course, is uh, he's a chief taste tester. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, did you say you have a different? You have another beer here? Yeah. Let's yeah, let's go ahead and let's go ahead and try another one. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Speaking of business plans, it's like it's like something I don't do. It's like all in my head. And a couple of notes on paper, but I never actually put together like a fiscal balanced budget or like what I expected to yeah. sell in the first year. It's like after my my thing was visiting breweries, and I saw that it works. Like every community I go to, the tap rooms are packed, the local beer bars are packed, people are drinking local beers, and it's like that's something that's going to work as long as we make a good product. Right. Yeah. And yeah. Um, so I never actually made a business plan. I just went to my bank and said, oh, I need this amount of money, and this is what <laughs> I, I expect to pay it back. I'm going to pay it back in a very short period of time, and but we ended up doing a lot of stuff out of pocket, a lot of help again from my dad, and um, uh, we had a, we did a little local fundraiser, raised about fifteen hundred dollars, and you know that that bought a tank, you know, and uh, so these kettles right here are actually manufactured in Knoxville, so it's a local Tennessee product called Bubba's Barrels, and it's this guy <laughs> he started building uh, whiskey stills and then got into beer making equipment, and he takes these old pharmaceutical stainless drums and turns them into beer kettles. Nice, and then. Uh, all of our kegs are purchased factory direct from America's largest keg distribution company called Franke. It's a German company. They, they manufacture all the kegs in Germany and um, sell them out of Laverne, Tennessee, which is only 45 minutes from here. So <laughs> took a trailer down there and just Loaded cashed up. in. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, that's it's awesome. a, the biggest expense. Yeah, it's definitely the stainless, the kegs, the yeah, tanks. Know, and yeah. My mash tun and my bright tank and the cooler, uh, they were made in Oregon from a stout stout kettles um they they uh, specialize in nano breweries small brewing equipment i gotta uh, i gotta mention the fact that i just went to the restroom and got to pee into a budweiser keg and it was phenomenal <laughs> what a better use for a budweiser keg it was it was the best feeling ever to piss Isn't that how they make budweiser their beer keg. anyways yes yeah. and then <laughs> it's actually in the factory they never show you actually behind the, yeah, the make doors sure, make sure you snap a picture of that before you go. <laughs> oh yeah we definitely definitely gotta get a picture of that but uh, we're drinking another one of your brews. Yeah, this was called Hitchin Post Pale Ale. And so a Hitchin Post is, you know, what would be in the old days, like the old saloons, they'd have one yeah. outside where the guys, the cowboys could tie their horses up to and go in and have a beer. And we actually have one of these back in the woods. Uh, my neighbor has annual trail rides, and there's a lot of horseback riders around here. And so we've got these Hitchin Posts, and I try to name my beers around something that I can relate to out right. here. And um, so all the beers typically – most of my beers have a story behind the name, and I like words that play off of each other. Sure. Like Creek Bank Blonde, Cotton Town Brown, Hitch and Post Pale Ale, South Tunnel Stout. Um, so those, you know, that's kind of how I name my beers. So our motto for Hitch and Post is tie one on. <laughs> nice. and, uh, it's, a, it's an American pale ale. It's uh, got some caramel malt in it for a little sweetness to balance mm-hmm. out the, uh, the bitterness. It's 5.8% ABV. It's about 40 IBUs. And you're getting a lot of that citrus note where we uh, we dry yeah. hop the beer yeah. after the fermentation process. Add more fresh hops to the to the tank, 
Um, citra uh, hop, I'm guessing. There's no citra in this one. It's Cascade, no. Chinook, and Columbus. Hmm, really? The C's. Oh. Any any hop that starts with a C is typically pretty citrusy. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just kind of a kind of a mainstay in a lot of breweries is the C hops. It's good. Delicious like it. again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you can taste the hop, but it doesn't. It doesn't. It's not lingering. It's you. not lingering at the back end mm-hmm. for me. At least mm-hmm. the, normally when I'm drinking up. Yeah, you one know of those you get a lot of hop on the breathe out. Sure, you know, well, a lot of a lot of IPAs, you know, are going to have a higher level of bitterness. Where this is lower on the bitterness and more focused on the flavor and aroma. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and you definitely nailed it on the head. It. Yeah. yeah, it's good, definitely good. So, I'm, I'm thoroughly impressed with this whole operation. I mean, who would have thought as we were driving in here that we were going to, you know, come into such a well organized, yeah, nice facility that's serving absolutely phenomenal beer. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of places. You know, we always talk about at some point the crap. It's gonna that bubble's gonna burst at some point. So you better be making good beer. And yeah. just stick around, and you're making fantastic beer. What I've had so far. How many? Great. How many um, beers do you usually keep? Or, I mean, because you know, you said you're you're a nano brewery. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so even smaller. What do you keep kind of on? You know, on hand. Yeah, I, I get that question a lot. Ask actually, it's uh, well, in our first year, we brewed 22 different beer styles. Um, and How much for each batch, though? How uh, big a batch yeah. are you going when you call nano? Yeah, well, and so 85 gallons is what I usually crank out in each batch. And um, I have the ability to brew two batches of beer in a day. We can usually do a, pull about a 12-hour day and do a double batch, and that will fill two of these fermenter tanks, which are the most um, economical way to go with a nano brewery is these, these um, food-grade plastic conical tanks. And so I saved a lot of money going with that. And I keep them all in this room back here, and the room, we currently have six, um, and there's room for another three more, so we're going to probably expand <laughs> and get a little more beer in-house with a few more of those tanks. Um, but I have the ability to brew the same beer twice and then combine those two batches into one finishing tank in the cooler. So okay. it's a five-barrel bright tank, and that's basically a giant keg where you, pre- you, you purge the air out, fill it with beer, carbonate it, and it, you, yeah. then you just transfer into kegs from there. And so that's, that gives me the ability to get beer out faster, uh, more consistently with carbonation, whereas a lot of small brewers are carbonating one keg at a time. Right. So that was that extra couple thousand dollars expense shaved off so much labor. Oh, yeah. But you'll also yeah. get varying in between. You'll get a little bit of variation in between exactly. each keg yeah. if you're separating them out like that, whereas yep. you're combining them all, doing it all. Precisely. Brewing, yeah. and brewing in separate batches and then mixing together after. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that definitely gives you a nice yeah. consistency. And Yeah. So I guess to answer your question earlier, though, is um, so we have two flagship beers. That's uh, Creek Bank Blonde, Cottontown Brown, both extremely approachable beers. And my goal wasn't to you know be the craftiest craft brewer. I wanted to make beers that are approachable by people that aren't familiar with craft beer, um, and beers that they're going to keep coming back to. And right. I want it in a sitting. You know, I hear all the time somebody, oh yeah, that beer was good, but you know I probably won't order it again. I don't want anybody to ever say that about my beers. I want somebody to say, man, that was great. Give me another. Yeah. And so. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. Do you do pictures? You know, so um, <laughs> so uh, that's that's kind of what we're going for with those. Is it's approachable, easy drinking beers, um, all day drinkers. Yeah, all, and yeah. and year round. They're just they're just not. It's not really a seasonal thing with the with the blonde ale and the brown ale. We throw in the pale ale pretty often. Um, it's not a mainstay, but I, I like it to be. I just I try to fit it in as much as I can. I have a porter called Mud Pit Porter. Mm. Sometimes you have to go through a mud pit to get here, and um, <laughs> and so that's that's a porter brew with uh, cocoa and molasses. 
Um, we we had any of that back there? Uh, we don't. We don't. I'm, I'm, I'm due to brew a batch. Um, we have uh, our seasonal winter seasonal right now. South Tunnel Stout. It's a milk chocolate oatmeal stout, and I uh, should be able to tap into a little bit of that for you. That would Sounds be awesome. Delicious. And we um, do. Jordan loves the stouts. I love the stouts. The milky stouts too. Those so does Brendan. We're all three. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Stout guys. Yeah, so it's like a, it's a chocolatey kind of fruity, creamy beer, and nice. um, it's just it's great great cold weather beer. Oh yeah. And then uh, spring's coming up. We have a couple of spring beers coming out. Uh, one's Road Dog Red, and uh, Road Dog is a nickname of one of our neighbors down here. He's a Harley guy, and everybody <laughs> around Galton knows Road Dog. Nicest guy ever. Um, he'd do anything for you. And, I, and when I first started brewing last year, I was like, "Man, you want to come pitch in on a batch? I've got a great name idea." So we do a Red Ale for spring seasonal, and we also do a real small batch called Spring Weeds. And once the uh, all the dandelions start popping up in our yard and our okay, field, I, I thought you were going somewhere completely different. I bet, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, no, we actually go out and pick weeds, uh, and wow. and dandelions are uh, famous for their bittering qualities, just like mm-hmm. hops. And so, in lieu of hops, we use dandelion flowers and uh, roasted dandelion roots nice. as the bittering, and brew a farmhouse ale with that same yeast strain, have, and it creates a real earthy floral. I've never heard of that yeah. ever. Oh, really? Yeah, I haven't heard anybody using. Dandelions in place of hops. That's awesome. Yep, not Absolutely. not too many people out there doing it. <laughs> it's it's incredible to me though that you pretty much are self sufficient right here on the farm. I mean, your water's here. You're using dandelions. You're using. You're making your own yeast. Mm-hmm. You're. Are you growing your own hops or your own not, barley and hops too? Not yet. We'd love to, but we just don't have the manpower and the yeah. time. Um, okay. uh, I'm going to try to get a little hop program going as we grow and evolve. I mean, you know, being only a year old, I still like feel like I'm still getting my feet wet. You know, mm-hmm. certain things, but. We've got the we've got the property and we've got the means to do it. It's just implementing all these things. We actually have a guy that farms like 400 acres right next to us, and he grows wheat every year. And um, I had mentioned uh, him growing barley. He's like, "Yeah, we could do barley." So if we could just figure out how to malt the barley, which is a whole other process in itself, oh, yeah, right? Uh, but it, it can be done. I visited actually a, a small batch malting facility. This guy that did 600 pounds at a time and showed me how it was done, and it it can be done. So. Who knows what the future holds? We'll see. We hope to do stuff like that. And we're actually working on right now a delivery system that's going to bring our spring water directly into the building from the cave on a gravity-fed system that just runs on a loop where it always flows right back in the creek, but we're able to be able to divert some of that water off and, um, and filter it and sterilize it through a UV, fil- uh, UV light in line. Nice. So that's our next project. <laughs> yeah. Lord. So uh, then awesome. when you, you'll come to the brewery and you'll, get, you know, you'll have a beer while you're hanging out, and then I'll send you home with a, um, a gallon full of uh, the finest water in all of Tennessee. So. Very nice. Yeah, it's great. I mean, I, again, wow. a lot of the new brewers you see, yeah. they, they, they made a batch in their garage that turned out, well, hey, let's, let's open a brewery. And there's so much going into this. Yeah. <laughs> there's, you know, the details and the planning is, is phenomenal. It's great. And, well, it, and it shows in the beer. I was going to say, America's built all the breweries, even the macro breweries, were built on some person innovating something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, back in the 1800s when they got here and they wanted to open a brewery, they all innovated something. But right. you are taking technology to a whole new level for these nano micro brewers. I mean, you're so self-sufficient right here on this farm. It's it's amazing to me. Yeah. It's phenomenal. Picked a good spot. Yeah. And, water, you're, yeah, and you're brewing a good product. You know, I mean, you're doing all these things, and if I taste it, it's like, oh shit, this tastes like dandelions, you know, or something. But <laughs> that's not the case. I mean, the beer tastes damn good. You know. <laughs> Do you bottle, or are you strictly on kegs to S- your strictly local? on kegs? But if you you may have noticed in the in the restroom in there, we have a bathtub full of bottles. Um, we're Jordan, actually wait, where was Jordan? You didn't go to the wrong one, did you? Oh, no, I, but I wasn't checking out his bathroom. I was too enthralled and pissing on Budweiser. So, yeah, so, yeah we've got um, 
we've got a, nobody's yet to bathe in that bathtub. It's strictly for filling mop buckets and clean, cleaning bottles <laughs> right now. But um, it's uh, so we're actually about to have our first commercial bottling where we're going to bottle 72 22-ounce bottles of a bourbon barrel-aged honey rye porter. Oh, nice. But other than that, no, we haven't done any bottles. Um, it's all kegs. And, and the thing about kegs, thing, people ask me all the time, when are you going to bottle? When can I get a six-pack? When are you going to be in the grocery store? thing about bottles is you've got a glass bottle, yep. a bottle cap, a label. You have to pay somebody to mm-hmm. do uh, artwork for each mm-hmm. of your labels. You've got to get those labels approved. Then you've got to stick them on the bottles. You've got to wash the bottles, clean, yep. rinse the bottles, sanitize the bottles, dry the bottles. I don't have any sort of bottling machine in here, and I don't really have anywhere to put one. Uh, I've seen some small little forehead bottling machines. Those are cool, mm-hmm. but um, I've got a little gun that I can bottle one bottle at a time. And then, then you've got six-pack carriers, and then you've got cases to put them oh, in. Then yeah. you've got to tape those shut, and you put them on a pallet, and you ship oh, yeah. all these out. And by the time somebody cracks that bottle open and drinks it, it all pretty much ends up in the trash. Yeah. You've know, got beer in your belly, right. oh, and yeah. then all this waste. Um, you know, some people may recycle, and that's good. But with a keg and a glass at a bar or a growler, there's mm-hmm. zero waste. It's right. all yeah. reusable. Yeah. There's, there's, it's much, much less of a footprint. And so you, you know. seem to have a lot in that, of that in your head because you were talking. I mean, the sustainability because you're talking about a gravity-fed water system. Right. You're yeah. talking about not wasting stuff, you yep. know, and everything. That's. Did you miss the part where him and his dad travel around and do environmental? Yes, yeah. <laughs> well, I caught that too. Well, you yeah, know what I mean. Well, but we, we do that. We also do a lot of market research while we're out there yeah. too, uh, visiting all the local breweries. We've, uh, we've been to over 200 breweries in the past five years. Yeah, that's impressive too. What I'm saying, work is sometimes different than not necessarily practicing what you preach. Right. Oh, you yeah. know. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like they do, though. Yeah. That's what. Was, that's why I wanted to bring it up. It's. Mm-hmm. It's. There is a focus here on that, mm-hmm. and and it's showing in the you know the beer. So how do you uh, how do you clean the water right now? Do you just boil it? Uh, well, currently we um, we don't normally use the spring water in most of our batches because we can't get it here. The Department of Agriculture wouldn't let us haul it in a tank. They said it has to be ran through some sort of sterilization, which is where I mentioned that UV light system. Okay. So either chlorine or UV light will kill any type of living microbe that may be in the water. Yep. Well, the thing about the brewing process is the whole batch boils for over an hour, and then fermentation takes place and makes alcohol, which makes the most sterile liquid on the planet. Right. Uh, beer is actually the, you know, other than too much alcohol, beer is the safest drink on the planet, because and wine and, and any yeah. other fermented beverage. Because it's there's no living bacteria. There can't nothing can nothing can survive in that alcohol, and and if it does, the worst thing that's going to happen is the beer is going to taste bad. Um, and the noise is going to drink it's, it's it. Anyway, not gonna, so. It's not going to kill anybody. So, so that's another interesting uh, note about beer. But um, that wasn't good enough. They, they said the water coming out of the tap has to be sterile, um, and, and so it's either use your tap water or devise some sort of delivery system that's going to sterilize the water okay. so occasionally we do some little small batch stuff and, and when i home brewed that was all it was it was it brew day consisted of me waking up taking these 30 gallon drums <laughs> on, in my truck and going back to this little spot right. i have and filling up with water and bringing them back home and using that water for the beer and that's how i developed the whole briar scratch brand but when it came time to get my final inspections and everything here we had this 300 gallon tank on an old farm truck and we were going to haul the water, and they said, no, you can't do that. You can't do that. So, um, so yeah, so we currently use our city water. And the thing about beer is the, uh, a lot of brewers say if your water tastes good, most likely it will make good beer. Uh, and, and you can go way deeper into that to the whole water chemistry and the water mm-hmm. makeup and, and actually make your water to profile certain types of the world like – you know, Burton on Trent for English pale ales and the, the Czech soft water for, for Czech style pilsners and stuff yeah. like that. And I don't, I don't do any of that. I, I, I like to think that I make cotton town style beer and use the water that yeah. we have and 
Um, yeah. And we have really good, really good municipal water. But uh, give us another couple months. We should be fully sustainable on the spring water. Nice. We have everything we need pretty much and the whole plan devised. Now we just got to dig a 1,500-foot trench. So. <laughs> Little things. Yeah. <laughs> Wait till the ground thaws. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Busey. This is Chili from Dos Ringos. You're listening to Blind Pig Confession. Woo! All right, and we're back. Yeah. We took a small break there. You know, when you're, when you're talking to a brewmaster... And he says, "Hold on," and looks at the at the kettles. You let him go. Yeah. You hit pause, yeah, and he goes. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, and he brought us back another beer too. So that's another bonus. Yeah. So what we have got here is a South Tunnel Stout. It's a milk chocolate oatmeal stout. Milk stout is a stout brewed with lactose sugar. Oatmeal stout is brewed with uh, malted oats or raw oats, and a chocolate stout typically has some sort of chocolate addition. So we use cocoa powder, lactose sugar, and golden naked oats to create kind of a. Delicious beer awesome. is what you created. Yeah. <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah. That's probably, probably that the is, strongest on our lineup. It's, uh, it's another interesting thing about Tennessee's beer laws is uh, beer is defined as a malted beverage up to, or fermented malt beverage up to 5% alcohol by weight. Well, most people read alcohol by volume on their labels. That translates to 6.3% alcohol by volume. Anything above that is considered a distilled spirit, hmm. which is stupid. Um, <laughs> wow. I was gonna say we can't, yeah. yeah, we can't brew double IPAs. We can't brew Belgian triples. We can't brew um, imperial stouts because they don't meet the alcohol uh, limit. Wow. Well, that actually changes January 1st, 2017, because we just had this new legislation passed where Tennessee is going to allow wine to be sold in the grocery stores. And before that, we, you can't get wine in a grocery store like you can in a lot of states. Mm-hmm. And uh, so um, a big um, activist group for beer made a fuss about, you know, beer not being, uh, high-gravity beer not being allowed to sell in grocery stores. And so that's changing to uh, 8% alcohol by weight on January 1st, which translates to about 10.5% ABV. Oh. So now the windows oh, really? and the doors <laughs> and the shutters and everything opens for all these breweries to produce all these great beer styles that you know a lot of the the beer geeks are looking for yeah right yeah and uh, in our state i've seen beer as high as 17 18 percent in bottles yeah, yeah so that's just like yeah that's that's a, it's kind of like some of them are decent some of them are kind of like drinking beer flavored gasoline yeah so it, it really depends on who brews it you know as you know as a craft guy you know that there's some excellent craft brews and there's some that you're like holy shit how did that ever get marketed exactly yeah so that is clean it is. I like it. It starts out kind of bitter, then you get the chocolate notes coming through, then it kind of ends bitter. You get yeah. back to that. More like you, a, like kind of like a coffee. Um, mm-hmm. You, know, you, you said get, you did the, the milk stout plus an oatmeal, mm-hmm. so it's all combined. Yeah. Normally, you just get the one. Yeah, it's all, your, fa- all your favorites, all in one batch. Yeah, And, and it is. It's amazing. Yeah, the aroma, you think you're just going to get a, a nice dry stout, but then you get that real creaminess out of it as well. Oh, yeah. It's good. yeah, it's got a real dense mouthfeel. Yeah. But not too damn. I mean, it's it's not it's not too thick. It's, no, mm-hmm. no, it's and, and again, you know, it's light enough to drink a few of these. Because usually, yeah. if I'm going for stouts, I get one, maybe two, and I'm done. Because you're just like, it's just too heavy. I can't I can't fit any more down. Yeah, this one falls but, about six point two percent ABV. So, you know, you'd never know it until you have two or three, and then you know it. <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a good beer, though. That's I like Thank that. You. It should sneak up on you. So, so the name on this one, South Tunnel Stout. Um, so if you're if you're real quiet in the evenings, um, you'll hear off in the distance this train coming through and blowing its horn, and it's just like the the most um, stereotypical backwoods. You hear the train coming, kind of thing. Um, but uh, it, it's it's a, it's a it's a real thing. It's a, there's this old tunnel that was built in 
I want to say it dates back to like the Civil War era, but um, it's called Big South Tunnel. And it's this just long, dark, mysterious, supposedly haunted train tunnel. And um, and there's the little town or the little community up there. They call it South Tunnel and uh, not even three miles from here. So we named this beer after that one because it's kind of long, dark, and mysterious, just like the tunnel. There you go. <laughs> Slightly haunting if you have too many. It'll haunt you the next morning. Jordan, we're going to have to go over to the tunnel now. Jordan's a... Haunted, no. A haunted location. It's, it's kind of um, kind of hard to get to, but um, there's some guys that you know going back there for photography oh, yeah. sessions and stuff. But it's it's not easy. <laughs> no, this is not a paranormal trip. This okay. is a beer trip. This is a different thing. <laughs> and there's know. no beer there, so <laughs> yeah, you better off just staying here. Exactly. Good idea. So yeah, this is a, again an excellent beer yeah, and fantastic. I, I'm thoroughly impressed. In fact, we're going to be. Nashville's going to wait a minute. We're going to head to downtown Gallatin here in a little while, and we're going to probably bring some back up for the other pigs so they can try it as well. Yeah. Um, do they have this? Up, do they have the stout up there? No, actually, just kegged this batch yesterday. Um, so we were, we were out, and uh, it's about to hit the market again. Uh, it'll probably be for the last time. This being our winter seasonal, and we're moving right. into spring. So um, I have some ingredients to brew one more batch. So it's it's kind of a toss up right now. But, uh, I mean, they're all. I mean, I, they're all good. So. Yeah. Yeah, not, not I'm looking forward to going into wrong. town and trying the uh, barrel, the barrel aged. Yes, yeah, how, me too. How long was it? How, how long you aged that one? Have we gone into that one at all? No, it was um, yeah. it was aged for seven and a half weeks. Okay, in the bourbon barrel. In the bourbon barrel, yeah, and it was a pretty freshly emptied bourbon barrel. hadn't been sitting too long until we got our hands on it. So, awesome. Yeah, we were. You know, it's when barrel aging is kind of. Uh, you know, for me, I don't really have the setup like a lot of these uh, bigger breweries do that have barrel aging programs. More for me, it's just. You know, blast a little CO2 in there, try to get the oxygen out, fill it up with beer, cap it, and then just don't touch it. Just, yeah. You know, every time you open it, you risk a little can- contamination or um, right. oxygen getting there. So it's just like, don't touch it. Leave it alone. Every time you, you know, every week comes by, you know, Eddie, my assistant brewer, is like, so uh, how long has that beer been in the barrel? <laughs> How's, how do you think it's doing? Is it ready yet? Is it ready yet? Exactly. And, uh, man, I'm, I'm going to give it a little longer. We'll have it ready for Tap the Town, though. That was that was the um, that was the goal. And, man, we pulled it out at the right time. It's just, it's got all that oak woody note to it a mm. uh, real strong bourbon note and um but it, again it it's a started a 5.6 percent alcohol beer and a little little bit of that bourbon might have kicked it up a couple notches to about six percent or something 6.2 yeah uh, but it's just it's a it's a great representation and I'll, I'll, I'll tap into a little bit of it here in the cooler for you guys before we leave we'll definitely oh. be uh we're bringing some beer back to indiana yeah, and, absolutely uh, we'll be able to get on our show and be telling anybody to get down here because yeah got to come down and try this beer it's yeah, fantastic. And it sounds like with your travels with your day job, you may be coming up to see us in Indiana. We will, yeah. Yeah, yeah just in about three weeks. Oh, okay, mm-hmm. excellent. Yeah, like I said, if it's whatever night it is, we'll, we'll make a special podcast for that. Yeah, I want to say it's uh, March 23rd. It'll be a Wednesday. Okay. Yeah. I think we can we can pull that off. We can make anything happen. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, right on. That'll be so, cool. I'll have Dad with me, too. He's... Oh, that's fine. Yeah. We'll welcome them on the show. It's not a problem. We'll probably uh, we can either do it at one of our houses or we can do it at the. Uh, you can do it right at our L house. Or you can do it at Allie's L house. Yep. That so, sounds yeah. like a plan. If we do it at Allie's, we can we can you know show you a couple of our favorite local brews from up there as well. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously we're not brewers yet. Anyway, we've talked about it, but we are definitely connoisseurs. Absolutely. So we have our own favorite breweries up there, and be interested yeah. to get your opinion on some of them too. So. Oh yeah. I'd, I'd, Give opinions all day as long as you keep my glass full. Absolutely. <laughs> and then all of a sudden the opinions get more and more. <laughs> By the end, then I we're not so talking about opinions. beer anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so we're. Uh, uh, is there anything else you want to tell our listeners out there? Uh, um, 
don't get your hopes up on Briar Scratch coming to Indianapolis or anywhere up north anytime <laughs> soon. But um, um, you know, it's, Gallatin's not really a destination. People come to Nashville and they want to do the Music City thing. We're 35 minutes north of Nashville. Um, but you know, if, if you really want to venture out and, and try our beer, we'd be happy to have you. Oh, it's um, worth it. I was, was going to say our, de- it was worth the detour. Our listeners yeah. are craft beer people. Yeah, if yeah. we if we convince them how amazing this beer is, I wouldn't be surprised if some of them didn't come down to Galton mm-hmm. to get this beer. Yeah, it's it's awesome. that good. We're not. It's not that far off the beaten path. Yeah. When you're going to no. Nashville to pull in and grab get a some couple great growlers beers, so, and I mean, move yeah, off. Yeah. Yeah. You're what ten miles off sixty five? Yeah, 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 roughly. Yeah, yeah coming through coming Which out of Kentucky nothing. and yeah, getting into, towards Nashville. Yeah, it's yeah. Not too, you know. It's, it seems like farther, you know, when you're driving. You know, you kind of keep going and going, and you turn down these country roads. And, uh, but, <laughs> Look, uh, where are we going, guys? Yeah, I'll, I'll be honest. We never thought we were going to get here. Yeah, but just just like uh, like uh, Jordan sent me an email uh, maybe a month and a half ago or something, and we set this up. Uh, you know, Briar Scratch isn't open to the public, but we're always welcoming visitors. If I'm here and we can schedule it, you know, by appointment, come on down. But otherwise, it's at a several locations in uh, the Gallatin area. Yeah, and right. where where are your some big locations for guys to stop? Well, I, I, your pr- restaurant, Prince Street Pizza and Pub, Street obviously. Pizza. Um, and we're we're always going to have at least two to three on. Um, and there's a couple locations that keep at least four of our beers on. It's uh, Crescent City Po Boys, which is a New Orleans style restaurant. Uh, Broadway Liquors, and they have a they have pretty decent growler selection. Uh, um, so your one, liquor uh, stores here do growlers? Yes. That's a new. That's a new thing. The whole wine and grocery stores thing allowed the liquor stores to do beer, and, and mm. so it's just kind of kind our of made it all f- full circle. Our liquor stores can't do growlers. No, no, and that's very cool. Oh, we have we have gas stations with growler stations in them. Yeah, but wow, uh, Jordan, that's amazing. Indiana yeah. gas stations can't even chill their beer. No, yeah, <laughs> it's, that's a pretty ridiculous law. We can't. Can you sell beer on Sundays or alcohol on Sundays? Yeah, after ten. Yeah, after ten. Yeah, yeah. see, we yeah. can't have any alcohol sales on Sunday except for craft brewers. Hmm. Yeah, at the tap rooms, right? At the yeah. tap mm-hmm. rooms. Yep. Right. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah, every state has their wacky beer laws. Oh, yeah. yeah. I still, yeah. Not, still never understood the, the no refrigerating your beer at the Circle K. <laughs> Gas so. station, whatever. I don't understand I think when all. they made that law, they said, well, they won't drink and drive if their beer's warm. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. worked. <laughs> all right, so I think we want to say you know, thank you again to thank you, you for yeah, thanks, having us, for letting thanks us for come us. to your brewery. Yeah, yeah. it's been great. Uh, sit right here in the middle of everything and... Enjoy some fantastic beers with you, and and show us your operation, which we're all I think thoroughly impressed with. So yeah, yep. been great, it's been awesome. So once thank again, you very much. Yeah, thank you, and we'll uh, we'll get this out to our uh, listeners, and hopefully you'll uh, see some people from out of town and say, hey, we heard you on the Blind Pig, and had to get down here and have your brew. So sounds good, guys. Cheers to that. Cheers. Right. Cheers. Cheers. It was a white snowy day. He was the youngest of nine. His mom packs his snap his first day down the mine. His dad rolls a sick, then says, Here you go, lad. These boots are a bit big, but they're better than I had. He turns 15 at Christmas, the air was thin. He was working the same when the shaft caved in. Couldn't see a hand in front of your face. He saw the shadow of death. He heard amazing grace. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound. But I am just a man, a boy, trapped on 
mum starts making dinner Runs there all the way And stands there in her slippers with the other wives to pray They dug down deep, taking turns all day as mother and daughter watch the twilight fade Oh and behold, someone hears a voice He says it sounds like a little boy Shooting star flies up over the mine 